Hello, and welcome to the Built On Air podcast. Built On Air is a regular podcast where we talk with everyday people and learn about the amazing things they are doing with Airtable. Today's podcast is sponsored by OpenSide, the leading solutions provider for Airtable customers. Check out OpenSide.com to learn more about their products and services that can take your Airtable usage to the next level. Use promo code BUILTONAIR to receive $20 towards any product purchase. Today on the podcast, we chat with Chris Dancy. Chris's lifestyle of tracking personal data, from his heart rate and step count to social interactions and household inventory, has earned him the moniker of the most connected man on earth. Seriously, Google the words most connected and see who comes up. Chris has made a name for himself as a speaker, author, and professional in the technology and healthcare industries. He has been featured across numerous platforms, including Showtime's Darknet, the BBC, NPR, and Wired Magazine. When our interview was scheduled, Chris's impressive resume and the topic of his life stack, which he has been tracking in Airtable now for over a year, was to be the primary focus of our chat. Enter coronavirus. With many of his events postponed due to the pandemic, Chris decided to use the extra time to do something to serve his community. Using Airtable, he created a neighborhood volunteer and help system. The base makes use of form views to capture submissions from neighbors who can share what resources and skills they have to offer in the event of an emergency. He shared a link to the base on Nextdoor, a neighborhood-based social media platform, and then a templated version with the Airtable community. Airtable themselves reached out to Chris and published the template on the Airtable universe. It is now being used in neighborhoods across the globe. In today's episode, Chris demos his COVID-19 neighborhood base, as well as his life stack. All of his data is color-coded and categorized according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, making it visually appealing and easy to sort through. This episode is surely not one to be missed. Check out the show notes to learn more about Chris. Good afternoon. Hello, Christopher. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on Built on Air. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I'm feeling built on air. (laughs) Excellent. So we have a lot to cover and I'm super excited to dive in. So obviously we are in the midst of a global pandemic right now that we definitely did not see coming at the time of us scheduling this call. Um, And since then, you have put together a very impressive uh, base using Airtable to uh, mobilize your neighborhood. And I'd love to just kind of start talking a little bit about that. Sure. So I was, I'm one of those digital preppers. So I watch everything all the time. And I've been watching this uh, outbreak closely since probably early January or some of my first tweets. You know, of course, when people were saying I was a, being a bit of an alarmist and, you know, all the other things they say about you and, you know, you're building something. Um, but for me, it became super apparent when I was looking at the challenges we might have, especially watching what was happening in China. It was really about resource management. And, you know, Airtable is, is, a, is a, the perfect system for resource management. Now, you could get into the weeds and say, well, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. But at the end of the day, if something has a web form, and a back end, that's all you really need because a web form acts as an app for 99% of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, as I was driving home, because we were at Disney World, my husband and I, when they closed the parks, right? Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have gone, but I, Disney wouldn't give me my money back. That's a whole other story I can complain <laughs> about all day long. Um, we were driving away from Disney because I didn't want to fly because I think the airports were going to be crazy. And I said to myself, is there something I could do for my local neighborhood? Because I live in a neighborhood of about 800 folks, uh, 800 homes, and these people are all ages. Uh, you know, medium uh, house here in the suburbs of Houston is anywhere between two hundred dollars and $400,000 in this neighborhood. And we have people who are retired, et cetera. And what I thought to myself was I need to create something so that if we go into some sort of shelter in place, which at that point, that term <laughs> still wasn't being talked about. Um, but if we were to end up in a situation where there was a shelter in place and or the medical system was overwhelmed, which today as the recording of this video, we're seeing in uh, Boston, New York, other places. Mm -hmm. How could we support the neighbors? The other thing I thought was, I have a lot of people in my neighborhood who use this service called Nextdoor, and it's kind of like Facebook for people who own houses. I don't know how to describe it. I'm sure Nextdoor wouldn't like me saying that. But um, (laughs) but they they were sharing misinformation and stats and they were arguing and 
But every now and then I'd see a post of people saying, hey, I'm in the neighborhood if anyone needs anything. Right. And then it just dawned on me, how do I unite people who have skills and or supplies and or medical equipment, those were the three things, skills, medical supplies, or equipment, with people who need things. So maybe they're old and they can't go, older and they can't go out or they're disabled and they can't go out. And then I thought to myself, well, this is really simple. I just need a base where like volunteers can sign up and people who need, who have things can sign up. And in the back end, we can just marry them. When someone says I need help, marry them to someone who has the help they need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's what I built. Uh, it was really simple. And uh, I've only been using Airtable for about two years. Uh, my entire life stack before this was on something I had homebrewed myself. We can talk more about like right. kind of the Chris Dancy of it all uh, <laughs> later on. But um, yeah, it was super simple. I had fun doing it. I had no idea that Airtable would reach out to me and say, hey, we want you to put this in universe. And then I think I was more overwhelmed by how many people from everywhere from New Zealand to England to little teeny communities around the United States saw the posts from next door or mm -hmm. saw the posts from Airtable and reached out to me and said, I want to do this in my community. So for a good two weeks, I've been on the phone doing Zoom meetings as kind of like a Airtable help desk for newbies trying to get them up and running. So it's, it's been a whirlwind. And of course, I'm a, I, I'm a writer. I consult for a lot of big companies and I'm a speaker kind of because I'm internet famous in some ways. So, mm -hmm. you know, all my business got canceled for the spring. So I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I need to find something to do with my time. That's what I've been doing. Well, you've been a huge help to the community, and that's just amazing. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Of course, of course. But I probably should have actually started with the fact that you are internet famous, yeah. and you are known as the most connected person in the world. Yeah. And I am very excited to have you on the show today. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so how, how did you get that... Uh, uh, nickname that moniker yeah yes. so the story is, is almost as crazy as the nickname you know it's really funny when you can tell someone you know like well, what do you do for work and you're like, well i'm internet famous like what and you say okay and then I, I usually tell people just this no matter what country i go to and i go to all of them right just google most connected just those two words yeah and i come right up it's pretty ridiculous um a lot of people who write blogs because of pay drink they always mention me and point to my website so in 2008, I was a little bit unhealthy. I'm mean, a little bit, I mean a lot. I smoked about two packs of cigarettes a day. I drank about, you know, 36 cans of Diet Coke a day. I was on antidepressants my entire life at that point. I was 40 in 2008. I'm 50, almost 52 now. It just, if you could have a problem, I had it. I was angry. I was, but I was fairly successful, you know. So, you know, I was a techie. I was a SQL DBA, you want to start to link things together. Uh, and I'd started in, at WebMD in the 90s, if you really want to tie it now back to healthcare. So um, I, I just thought to myself, I, I need a way, and you know, I wasn't gonna be internet famous, I was just gonna be me. But I said, I need a way to understand what my, my devices understand about me. Like we've all used search for something and then we see ads in Facebook or Google. We've all been there. But for me, it was like, wait a minute, if computers can be that prescient using cookies, couldn't they be more prescient about helping me say, okay, you've been sitting too long or you've been watching TV too much, right? Stuff that actually our technology does say, Apple watches say stand up and breathe and meditate. You know, long before, you know, we had big mother when we were worried about big brother, like I wanted to develop that system. So I started doing it in the beginning before we had Zappy or we had tools like Yahoo Pipes. I don't know if you're familiar with Yahoo Pipes, but it predates a lot of this stuff. So what I started doing was anything I connected to and worked on, it didn't matter if it was a website or an email or, or listening to music, if I could get a stream from it, an RSS stream, a social media stream, like sharing automatically, um, you know, preferably an API call, I would have it grab that information about what I was doing at that time. And then I would take that information and then move it to someplace where I could analyze it later. For me, that repository, uh, wasn't Airtable because there was no Airtable at that point. And I wasn't going to uh, bring up a SQL or an Oracle server to do that. So to me, Google Calendar was the repository because it was open. I could write to anything. I create multiple calendars. So I could have a calendar just for all social media posts. So you could see all the social media posts you do on a calendar. Uh, a calendar for all the food I ate, a calendar for all the places I went. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it was really simple. And 
from 2008 to 2010, it was pretty remarkable. It helped me really start to change a lot of my bad habits. By 2011, 2012, I started to be able to focus on my actual physical health. And it's hard to, you know, a lot of people start there and that's not where you want to start. Just like you don't want to start with mental health. You got to start with, you know, without going to the whole story, you actually have to start lower if you want to change behaviors and lower meaning who you spend time with, meaning friends, and that can be digital or, or IRL. And more importantly, what do you put in your head? So what are you listening to? What are you reading, et cetera? And once I understood how I was connecting to people and how I was connecting to media, if you just could see your Spotify playlists and who you get emails from and what you post online, most people change overnight because they'd say, that's not me. That's what those systems need me to be. Right. Right. So by 2011, 2012, it was really obvious to me that I could change those systems, but I could start to work on health. And of course, at that point, wearables were getting to be really big. Well, I was at a conference in Portland of something called Cyborg Camp. Uh, there actually is a camp for people who are like super cybernetic, and we could go into the definition of cyborg all day long, but it's not like it's not like the movies. It just really means someone who uses tools. Airtable. Anyone who uses an Airtable is a cyborg. Awesome. So, um, and the person sitting behind me saw my Google Calendar and saw things automatically being written to it. And it was like, how is that happening? And it was a writer for uh, Wired Magazine. And Gosh. one thing led to another. And, you know, I met with him in a meeting. And then, like, a couple months later, there was a story in Wired about, I think the title was something really terrible. It was, like, obsolete tech worker rebuilds some himself for the future oh my which you know, I didn't consider myself obsolete but <laughs> you know I, I understand you know sensationalism gets clicks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <sighs> so from there it was literally less than a year later and I was on the cover of business week and then the BBC reached out to me and yeah it was a 2014 uh, global tech issue for business week put me on the cover and then the BBC reached out to me and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you. And at that point, most people were calling me the most surveilled person in the world. But when the BBC interviewed me, they said, Chris Dance is arguably the most connected person in the world. And after the BBC said most connected, the articles that talked about me after that said most connected. They always said that. So it was never something I anointed myself with. It was never something, none of that. Does that make sense? I, I, I didn't strive for some type of internet fame. Of course. And then the thing that became really hard was between 2014 and 2015, 16, I tried to have regular, at that point I was an executive based job at big healthcare companies, but it was impossible because once you wield that type of internet attention at that point on the web, it's much different nowadays, companies want you to start talking about their stuff, like shill for me, what we would call it today, influencer right. uh, uh, marketing. And I just had no desire to be an influencer for anyone. Right. Uh, you know, I think there's enough content, sorry, uh, on, on the web. We just don't need more things. Right. right. Um, and at that point I had to pivot and, and I was fortunate to be asked to do a Showtime special, which is on Netflix now called Darknet. I was fortunate that next year to get a book deal through Macmillan. And the year after that, 2016, I shot my second special with uh, Rachel Hunter, who's a model, uh, does a TV show called Rachel Hunter's Tour of Beauty. So since then I've kind of been independent. I'm fortunate that you know, everyone, I've met with everyone from Google to, I mean, you name it. I've, I've done work for every big tech company. And usually around how do you get very specific types of data out of phones? I call it phone fracking, uh, including even universities. So I've taught at Dartmouth now, uh, physicians, who if they have a non-responsive patient and they can get in their phone, where do you look to find out what they've been doing and what their life is like? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's so yeah. interesting. It's, I mean, I had, you know. You, life, you don't plan for it, it happens. So, you know, it's just... Yeah. Oh, but long story short. So after I moved off my Google Calendar system, moved into like these other repositories, um, which ended up being something like Gyroscope, which aggregates all the information for you. It was like almost three years ago, I I saw gyro, or I saw the beginnings of what people were talking about with Airtable. And I slowly started migrating two years ago onto OnTable, onto Airtable. And I've been on Airtable now, running my life, I call it my life stack, for a good two years but full time for at least a year. So everything that comes in and out of my life, all those systems I talked about earlier, now instead of going to a Google Calendar, go to a Airtable. Oh my gosh. And that's all. And so have you, um, what's like the biggest change that you've noticed in your ability to analyze that data since you've moved over to Airtable? The biggest thing is something that's really dumb. I, I can, 
I can control it a lot better. When everything's just going to a calendar for social media or a calendar for health or whatever, you don't really think about it. But when you're forced to think about your life as it relates to tables and relationships, mm-hmm. you can do joins, which, you know, it's in, in database work, we call them joins. You can do joins a lot easier. You can also think about how to view your data so much more elegantly. I mean, a calendar is just a calendar. So you get like a week view, month view, uh, you know, year view. But with Airtable, you get a calendar view, but you also get a grid view. You also get um, uh, a gallery view. You also get a Kanban view. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just being able to switch between those views. I mean, I've spent more time designing views for my life stack than I actually have the automation behind it. A lot of my, my life stack is very manual because the one thing I've learned in 12 years of data collection is you can't manage what you don't manipulate. Right? And you can low friction all day long, but you, you tend to forget and ignore stuff that's happening in the automation and you only focus on the stuff that's broken or you don't like. So what I do is I actually, I make anything manual that I want to have greater control of just because it's easier. Now I don't log credit card receipts. I mean, that come, that's automation, but it's not automation to level where an API is grabbing it. Uh, I don't log food, right? Because I do that in other apps. That's just all an import. Uh, but manual things, such as a document someone sends me, I, I automate a lot of emails. So emails that come in or calendar appointments. So you'll see in my life stack, there are parts of it that are like, like, oh my God, you know. But the hardest part is like blowing through that 50, I think it's 50,000 records in the pro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Blowing through that was really hard just because you realize like, oh my gosh, do I spend a lot of money? You know, and oh my gosh, do I spend a lot of places? Because you can hit 50,000 records and just in financial transactions in a couple of years worth of data, right? If you do every credit card and, or if you just do location tracking, you can hit 50,000 records really easily. So uh, I hope this isn't boring, but it's, no. it's just been a lifesaver. And I love Airtable, but more than anything, I love how that a base becomes a platform for what you value. So if you're, if you're building something like a life stack or like a program for a business, you usually build it around the things that are easy to capture very quickly, but good bases are defined by capturing things the business wants to accomplish at the front. So I always tell people, cause I'm not a consultant or anything for Airtable, but I always say you have to spend as much time designing it. And I use something called mind node to do mind maps. Um, and then designing the ERD, uh, which is a, a a diagram of how your tables relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And then you have to really think about what's action versus what's storage, right? So I have a lot of tables that are action oriented, like an interaction with you is an action, a task is an action, but a document is part of a storage table, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. actions apply to storage. So I don't know, cause you know, you're a consultant, I'm not a consultant. I don't know the fancy ways to define all this, but for me, it's been so useful. And it's also, again, it enabled me to create simple things like this COVID solution, which, you know, is helping my neighborhood now. So the other day we had somebody who wasn't feeling well and we actually had someone who had oxygen because their grandmother was oxygen, needed it full time. And we took oxygen to her because she didn't want to go out. Right. Yeah. You know, and then a blood oxygen monitor, you know, so, you know, cause I had a pulse ox. So, you know, things like thermometers, you can't believe how many people in my neighborhood don't have thermometers. So, you know, in, in a situation like this, just having a situation where you can see who has what, assign it to someone else, and then collect it when it's done being used or when someone else needs it. You know, to me, no code really is to the 2020s what mobile was to the 2010s. Mm-hmm. You know, designing solutions that are easily and rapidly deployable to people without any coding experience who just want things to work. Exactly. And you've demonstrated that in just a couple of days, which is awesome. <laughs> Oh, of course. And, and it's true. And it's, it's just interesting you bring up the, the low-code, no-code environment. I was going to ask you if you've had um, any experience or if you have any thoughts on the new scripting block that was just released. Well, I mean, the first thing I did was copy the example scripting block that they put out there because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, because, you know, Airtable is great. They give you all these new things, but sometimes they don't give you an example of it or I don't think there's a, a, an example that applies to you. So, you know, I've played with a few of them. I, I think it's going to be super powerful. I'll be blunt. I was more excited about rich text in memo fields than I was about the scripting block just because to me, it's, I love visualization. So that was very, very exciting. But no, you know, I think the scripting block uh, is going to be something I would definitely get involved in. But I think from my maturity level, the scripting block would almost enable too much automation or too much Kung Fu. And right now I still like just wearing my, my, my Kung Fu robe and not actually you know, doing all the Kung Fu. You know? 
Well, it is, it's somewhat zen. I mean, it, parsing through all that data, I'm sure it, it might be, um, is it fun for you to look back at the last year of your life and analyze that in some way? I mean, I actually get asked two questions a lot by mainstream journalists. One is, how much time do you spend doing all this? And mm-hmm. the other one is, um, I get asked a lot, but like two of the, and the other one is, how often do you look back? So I orchestrate my data in a way that I don't have to look. So if something trips a trigger, so if I start speaking loud, the lights will dim in the room, that sort of thing. Wow. Uh, if I'm not sleeping well, all the temperature in the house goes down. If I enter a a geofenced area, I get sent reminders. So I try not to actually ever have to look back mm-hmm. because I can be real judgy about finding a problem that's not there. I try to create triggers about keep me in the moment or help me looking forward. Um, I hope that makes sense, but I don't spend a lot of time in reflection because I'm at a point in my own maturity where I focus more on resilience. I find that so interesting. And I just, I'm sorry, I'm trying to try and trying to get my thoughts all straight. I just, I, I find it very, very intriguing. Um, like it, you're using- don't get me wrong. I, there's nothing wrong. And I think oh. looking back is so important, right? Because it creates a level of perspective. And I often tell people resilience is the act of perpetual perspective. So, you know, looking back at things, you know, like Facebook did an amazing job with this and time hop when they started serving you what you did a year ago. Mm-hmm. But that just sometimes serves as a reminder of who you're, who you're not anymore and not who you want to be. And I think data serves as a map forward, right? Right. Ways and GPS doesn't work showing you where you went. It shows you where you're going. Yes. And and to me, you really need to orchestrate solutions about the road ahead. I often say you need a a dashboard, not a rearview mirror when designing solutions. Exactly. And I I think that's that's just so cool. You're using data and you're analyzing a whole backlog of your life in order to make decisions about the future and in the right now. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. However, and I'll demonstrate this later when we do the screen share. You know, I, like a lot of people just lost like $75,000 worth of income over the next couple of months. Right. And that's, that's, you know, I'm just, just me and my husband, right. We don't have a, a big, you know, uh, family and he's a school teacher. Right. So, you know, my big seasons are spring and fall for speaking and consulting. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you, you know, where do you start cutting, right? How do you start saying, okay, I need to reduce the bills, right? Just temporarily. Mm-hmm. Well, what I did was in my expenditures or my bills, I actually sort them by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I can tell you all the bills that are required for us to maintain our living versus bills that are required for us to like to be employable and healthy versus bills that are required for us to love and support each other versus bills that are required for us to entertain ourselves, right? Right. So the first thing I did was use Airtable and said, show me everything that's above a threshold that can go and how much does it equal? So that's managing to a value, not managing to a number. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've, I listened to a TED Talk episode about that once. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested in just hearing a definition for those who might not know what that is. So sure. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, uh, his name was Abraham Maslow. And he was, I don't want to say a philosopher or a doctor, but I think he gets pegged more as a philosopher, is a way of thinking about your life as an order of gates that, that would make you Uh, successful and happy in some way. And think about it as a pyramid because it's always represented as a pyramid. So the bottom part of the pyramid, the part that's really, really super, you know, bottoms of pyramids are very long and flat is um, physiology. And that's more things around, you know, water, food, uh, staying healthy, et cetera, right? So the things you absolutely need, right? And we all have apps and connections and data tied to that, right? Mm -hmm. The next level up from Maslow's hierarchy of needs really is the idea of safety. So the idea of employment, um, the idea of security, uh, mortality, family. Like, how do you all focus on staying healthy and safe? So you've got to have you got to have basic needs like you know housing and shelter, and then you got to have things like food and ability. The next level up, so because there's there's five of these total, is this idea of love and belonging, and those would be. Uh, the types of relationships that involve friendship or family or intimacy, right? So to me, Facebook, it really belongs in there, right? Yeah. 
Uh, and then above that, you've got esteem. So esteem is like confidence, achievement, and like how other people see you. So, you know, maybe your relationship to LinkedIn or maybe Microsoft Office, right? Uh, so apps and things that can relate to that part of it. And then at the top is self-actualization. Well, that's where you get the things like Instagram, right? Or uh, Audible, right? Uh, things that are really about, okay, I have a home. I have, I'm fed and I'm healthy. I have someone who loves me. I'm respected in my community. I can take a break to, to take a picture and put a filter on it. That's just the order it should go in. Right. The problem is a lot of solutions in Silicon Valley flip that. And the most important thing is at the bottom, which is, you know, having someone drive you around or adding f filters to photos, which I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying a lot of despair and a lot of sabotage comes from the fact that we're taught to live our lives, our connected lives in a way that values self-actualization and not values safety or love and belonging. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, and so you you organized your bills that way, but do you do you take that approach with bills or everything? All data. All so data. All data goes into Maslow's hierarchy of needs, awesome. and all of it goes to what would be uh, I, I I call them like life areas. So like uh, to me, my life areas are you know the obvious ones we all have to deal with. So you've got health, right? And that's my first life area, right? Mm -hmm. uh, home work, financial, and success. So health would be like everything in my air table rolls up to one of those five things, sometimes multiples. Mm -hmm. um, health is just how am I feeling? How am I doing? Home is like, how is my home? Is it structurally sound? Something like that. Work is what am I doing for work? Financial is separate from work because what you do with a healthy body, a, a smart home, and a, and a thriving career is how you express through finance. Mm -hmm. And the last life area is success. And success is what you do with your health, home, work, and finances as it relates to making the world a better place. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, you know, recording a podcast, you know, could fall in multiple places, but how I behave in that podcast and the messages I behave in, what, where that spread to actually leads to my success. I couldn't have done this podcast with you if I had stayed unhealthy. And, not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's really about realigning what's important to us in a way that Airtable can support those decisions. Um, and it's going to sound weird because people are like, Airtable doesn't, oh yeah, Airtable supports all sorts of decisions. Yeah. If you're just using Airtable to manage information, you're missing a major component of something that could make you happier. Some people get happy from managing data just because it's almost a hoarding sense. Like, okay, I know what's going on. Yeah. And then that, like a level two of that is I'm hoarding it, but I'm also making better decisions. And level three is I'm making better decisions, I'm hoarding it, but I also understand what's going on. But level four would be like, am I hoarding and making better decisions and helping someone else? And level five is, am I going to be okay? Is everything going to be fine? And that's where you want to go, you know? And I think, you know, however you get there, go there. But it's a lot easier than I think people think. What we're missing is good role models, good technological role models who don't showboat, who don't brag about what they've accomplished, who don't spend all their attention cycles, you know, being jackasses to people. And instead, they, they encourage people to behave better digitally. So if there was an anti-bully movement online, that, we need those people, not people telling us that looking at screens. I mean, we're spending a lot of time looking at screens right now, yet we've had the media tell us for five years we're going to be depressed, broken, and, and you know, shoot up schools if we're playing games. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? I just think it's toxic that we're not addressing the elephant online, which is we've told people technology is horrible. By the way, now you're stuck with it because you're home. <laughs> Sorry, rant over. <laughs> It's so true. I mean, especially, and now today, especially, everyone is very connected and has to use technology to stay that way um, during, well, a lot of us are stuck at home um, and we don't know for how long. Um, and I've definitely, I've been, technology is playing a huge role. Um, and, and it doesn't diminish love. Right, you know? exactly. There's so many people who are like, you know, I want real friends. I don't want Facebook friends. Well, you know, for a lot of people, Facebook is real friends, mm -hmm. right? For a lot of people, Instagram are real friends. And I think, you know, TikTok is real friendship, you know? Mm -hmm. Xbox gaming and the people you meet on Xbox are real people. And I think so often it's terrible. I, I'm, I'm still so shocked we don't have more honest conversations about, I get that you have nostalgia for a type of behavior that hasn't existed in 15 years, but you're making people feel like crap by telling them that they're not legitimate because of how they choose to love, live, and work. 
that's that's sick yeah i'd agree with that (laughs) sorry i get so ranty about this issue no it's okay but i mean now more than ever technology is super important just for people to be able to see their grandmother on her birthday right now if they can't exactly yeah absolutely and you, you know we're seeing story after story of you know virtual dinner parties and all yes. sorts of things yeah. Yeah. strangers exactly you yeah, know, you i see you you can't see if someone's in the hospital right now with covid you can't see them you have to use technology for exactly. facetime and that sorts of things so yeah. i'm just so sensitive and, and hopefully that life and death breaks down these bogus walls that somehow you are less human for using technology to connect and love somehow you're less mature for for meeting people and again you know this idea that you can go home and unplug is just ridiculous it never was real and if you have enough money where you can hide your iphone during dinner you have too much money (laughs) no i totally understand Yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, that is their lifeline. I mean, if they miss that phone call, then they might miss an opportunity. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I'm super excited to see um, more about your life stack and how you have that set up and this uh, COVID base that you've put together. Um, Would you want to share your screen? I'd love to. Excellent. So we'll look at the COVID system first. So as I said earlier, it really is uh, defined into uh, three areas. Um, uh, The first one is a help request system. That's the simplest of the three. Uh, The second one is a volunteer sign-up system where someone can say, hey, I've got skills, equipment, supplies. And then finally, a routing system, which in in the one that's on Airtable Universe is all manual, but it's very easy to add automation to it. I mean, so, you know, people are like, it's amazing how many people reached out to me for support in the base and then say, wait, I thought it was to do this manual or automatically. I'm like, no, nah, it's got to be manual. Like, you, but we can make it automatic, you know, but you don't know what you don't know until you make it work, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, so the, this is my Airtables. My base is really fall into two areas. Life, those things I'm working on every day with people versus projects I'm working on uh, versus reference spaces that I copy out of uh, the Airtable uh, universe versus data that I'm integrating at some level versus, you know, bases shared with me versus retired bases, things I used to do uh, versus consulting. So let's go ahead and look at the COVID response. So the COVID response at its at its base, it's really simple. It's just a form where the neighborhood uh, folks, because you know some of them are older and some of them are younger and don't use a lot of tech, believe it or not. There are young people who don't know tech. You know, we're always talking about old people who don't know tech. There are young people too. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between tech-enabled and tech-dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the setup form is really simple. You would just put your name in, you, uh, go ahead and put that in, you put your address in, street, phone number. And then next, I listed a primary skill. This is like if someone, what's the one thing they could do for the neighborhood if they could only do one thing? And the next I listed a secondary skill, which is the same base, but you can select more than one. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say I can do a couple things here. And then next it asks for, is there any more information you want to uh, add? And then I'm going to not put anything there. So do you have any resources? So resources are, so besides the skill you have, what are the things you could do for the neighborhood? So I mean, sorry, what are the things you could share with the neighborhood? Well, someone like me, I've got a lot of medical stuff. So I'm going to say I've got a thermometer, and I've got surgical masks. And then finally, it says, how do you wish to be contacted um, if you are a uh, volunteer? And then uh, who do you want to share information with, meaning the person, the, the person requesting help or the admin? I'd go ahead and submit that, and that's, it's that simple. So now back here in the base, we can see all that information went ahead and got logged down here in row 12. So really simple, really you know, not a lot to it. Now, if you are a neighbor who needs help, not someone volunteering, you would come in and fill out another form, which is, again, super simple. I think I announced these two things backwards. Sorry about that. Uh, and again, you would just put your name in here as the, as the neighbor. I'll put my cat in. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, always up. What type of help does she need? She needs uh, put her phone number. <laughs> uh, bring me treats. Uh, she's not running a temperature. So we've had some people who are running temperatures and if someone's going to visit them, we want to know that uh, ahead of time and we'll go ahead and submit. Now on the back side, we have a new help request. So with these help requests, all we do is, uh, we get an email when a form is submitted and we come in here and look at the request 
And then the admin, the person who's sitting in the backside, would come in and then just assign that to someone. So since Luna wants uh, treats, we could look for someone who has food, put that in there and done. Uh, and it's that simple. The two forms are supported by a resource table. So I can quickly, I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry, a skill table. So I can quickly see who in the neighborhood has what skills mm -hmm. and an equipment table. So I can see who in the neighborhood has what equipment supplies uh, available to them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it's, it's so nothing. It, it's a nothing burger of a base, but uh, for me, it really helped kind of get behind what I was trying to do. Absolutely. And I find that so inspiring, super, super cool. And I love that every, like it's been being used in many different countries now. You I'm see. still so shocked. And, you know, and people who've never used Airtable don't know that they can add more supplies, like if there's something specific where they live or more skills. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that someone found it useful. And again, we don't have to let this stop at just COVID. Right. You know, right. my neighborhood's very prone to flooding. So we're going to continue using it as a disaster response system just for us. And the, because we're sharing it inside of Nextdoor, Nextdoor is geofence. So it's not like people can see our links right. outside of our neighborhood. So again, it's free. It's quick. It's dirty. It's easy. It's, it's on universe. If you need help, although if you're listening to this podcast, you probably could help me because I don't know as much as those people. <laughs> uh, reach out and I can help you with it. Awesome. Thank you should so we, much for sharing that. Should we dig into life stack? Yes, please. Okay, you sure? I am. Absolutely. Okay. Life, life stack's kind of crazy. All right. Um, so I'll go ahead and share again. So just like with the COVID base, life stack really started out as an idea of how to orchestrate uh, my customers, the people I did consulting for, but also my business, so like how my business related to each other. It really wasn't meant to be everything. I was just trying to get off of a CRM that I was using, but I was also trying to figure out, was there any way I could incorporate it in my life? So what you're seeing here is a mind note of how I originally envisioned kind of my accounts, which were the different things in my life as far as my business was concerned versus my business versus, and I was even like, well, maybe I could use this for task management. Well, this simply turned into this. So what you're about to see, and a lot of people have seen our table, so it won't be surprised, but for a lot of people, just seeing a bunch of tabs is confusing. This is my ERD for my life stack in my Airtable uh, life stack base. It's really broken up into these six primary focus areas. The first one would be asset tables, and those are, those are tables that have anything to do with like making me good and well. So think of that as the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So there'd be the entities, me, my cat, my, my partner, my health, uh, health records, assets, things we own, bank accounts. Next to assets, we've got kind of liability tables. So those are where we start to interact with the rest of the world, right? Uh, in ways where we have things to, to do. So bills, bills tie up to vendors or AP, accounts payable. Credit cards are basically just microtransactions between me and other people. Uh, contacts, contacts spread over two tables because it can be someone I owe money to or someone who owes money to me or it could be a friendship. And those contacts can be tied to my customers and my customers then are tied to engagements, whether they be consulting or speaking or I, I do workshops and then services services roll up into engagements which roll up into customers and all of those things then roll down to references but in that same kind of revenue area i also have a table called travel overview because important for my health is i need to see if i'm doing too much if i've got too many things on my plate how is it affecting me and we'll look at that and you'll be like oh that's kind of crazy so you can calculate how burned out something's making you and then make decisions on to get rid of it. And yes, that's, I literally go that far. So those are the kind of the highest level uh, kind of base, I would call them nouns. They're not action tables. Below that, supporting those, you've got a kind of a legal and record keeping tables. Those are like all the forms and documents and emails and things that come in. Statements are separate because I needed to share that separately than kind of creating a view for the people who need bank statements. Transactions are all the transactions that come in that are accounting based that can sometimes tie to forms and documents like receipts on a transaction for like 
uh, something that has warranty, but also transactions roll up to statements because every bank statement's full of transactions. And then a bookkeeping table, which is an interface between QuickBooks, which my CPA uses, and me to make sure that my bases are in sync with his bases so he doesn't have to ask me a lot of questions or if he needs proof for the IRS at why something was purchased, the bookkeeping table will then link to the statement, the document receipt, and the original transaction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's brilliant. Okay. Oh, thank you. Of course. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, did, I mean, knowing you're a consultant, that means a lot. Because like <laughs> when I was doing this, like I don't know, I was kind of alone and feeling crazy. And then planning tables are really how all of this spins around it. And I could make a better visual with this, but like everything in my life like has a uh, like a life area, which I'll show you in a minute. And then those life areas roll up to goals. Like what do you want to accomplish this year? And those goals are supported by projects. And then in those planning tables are also are my home maps. So what's in my home and then what types of projects are tied to my home. So there's like personal projects and personal goals for my life, body and relationships. But then there's physical ones that have to do with my infrastructure. And all of that sits next to two action tables. So action tables are where I spend most of my time. Mm -hmm. So interaction is me having a phone call, a meeting, or an email, or anything, me going to a website and looking up something, that's an interaction. Like, oh, I looked up the balance. This is what it was. Mm -hmm. Or a task. Here's something that can act on that interaction. Or tasks can act on health records, tax. Tasks can act on credit cards. Like, call them up and reduce a lower rate, uh, call up a vendor. You know what I mean? So tasks and interactions almost touch every other single table. Does that make sense? Yes. Am I being a dead horse here? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes this is like, uh, uh, you know, and then people always say, you know, like, hey, where did you get all that from? I'm like, uh, well, Airtable didn't do that. I just made that little ARD. ERD. Now, I use something called biscuit to navigate my life in sections. So there's my health sections. Uh, so how am I feeling? What's my, what's my physical health life? Uh, physical health like, here's my productivity. Um, and then organization. So where are my tasks, et cetera. But since this is an air table focused podcast, I'm not going to go into the work structure, but I'm going to go into just traditional air table view if that's okay. Yeah. So I'm going to jump over to that and just walk through it. So like I said, almost everything in my life is an interaction. So you can see here, my interaction table has all the different interactions I've had with, with different folks. Um, simple stuff like an interaction type. And interaction types are super important because a lot of times you'll want to filter. So a phone call to someone, an email to a customer, an email from a customer, a social, like an in-person visit, a website visit, someone contacts me via a web form, mm -hmm. a physical letter or mail, someone comes to my home, I meet someone in person, something that was scheduled. And then I've got these ones that are more labeled to interactions that are tied to services. So I'm billing for a service or I'm creating an event service. Um, the date of the interaction is not the create date because sometimes these can be time shifted. You might talk to someone and not log it right away. Mm -hmm. uh, so I make sure I do that. Um, and then all the tasks tied to that interaction, any companies tied to that task, bills, et cetera. Okay. My tasks, then there were the second action table. Those are pretty straightforward. So this is my tasks for this month. You can see here for today, I've got, you know, prepare for my video interview with you, run some errands, water my plants and meditate. Right. right. And you'll notice they have different color schemes. So those color schemes roll up to like the life areas we'll talk about in a minute. So I know right away is a day heavily slanted toward making money or is it heavily slanted toward being kind to myself? Right. So coloring was super, super important for me, but you know, everyone knows how, how, you know, Airtable works, but tasks are really important to me. Sometimes I don't want to do I don't want to be in front of a screen, so I can sort task by modality. So show me all the tasks that involve being on the phone. Show me all the tasks that involve being in the car. Show me all the tasks that involve getting things done. Tasks then are, can apply to the rest of these tables, just like interactions do. So we'll just get into like kind of the, the noun, not the verb tables. So interactions and tasks are my noun tables. So engagements. So engagements are pretty crazy simple. So they can just be in one of three areas. Those areas can be events, where I'm going to be standing in front of a crowd media where I'm actually doing something that's going to be in some form of press or consulting. And then those areas then roll up into different uh, sub areas. So prospecting, so events I'm prospecting on business development, uh, things I'm delivering uh, and then follow up success. But for example, as we just saw earlier, you guys, because this is built on air, the podcast should be in my kind of deliver. And sure enough, there you are. Awesome. Okay? 
So you can see the different tasks I've had with Built on Air, the podcast, <laughs> and then a lot of interactions, and then what part I'm in and, and where I think it's going to go. Awesome. From everything I do, whether it's an event, media, or uh, consulting, everything then rolls downward to uh, references. A lot of times someone might say to me, hey, do you have a quote where you've said something in Italian media? So I can come into my reference space, do a search on country, and pull up everything that's ever been quoted about me in, in Italy, for example. And those are also broken by events. And then events are by customer, what the reference was what the reference weight is. A lot of times if I need something from a governor and official that has a higher weight than somebody who I met in the audience who might say, that was the best thing I ever heard, you know, <laughs> so you're, right? Uh, customers are just the people that I'm doing that work for. Services are the types of services I provide. So you can see there are a lot of services in here. I also allow my customers to pick services by emotion. For example, when you and I first started talking, I asked you, how did you want people to feel when they were listening to this podcast? Yeah. So a lot of times when I meet a new business who wants me to do work for them, whether it's speaking or consulting, I try to ascertain what feeling they want out of it, not the work product. And it helps me align them to previous jobs I've done that had those same type of feeling goals. Because work is work is work. People get paid for how you make them feel. Yeah. Um, the entity table is basically where I house the things I love. So in this case, I've got my, my spouse, my, my dog, my cat, my other dog, and my business, but I also have got me. And the entity table also then is kind of like a top feeder table, if you remember. Entities can have bank accounts, and those bank accounts can either be debits or checking accounts, or they can be credit cards. Credit cards are assigned to entities, so a lot of times I might want to know what's the balance on a card, how much credit is on a card, what's the phone number for that card, what's the interest rate for it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then bills. So now we get down to the hardcore stuff, like how much are you paying to do what? So the bill table's pretty simple, just simple things like bill name, frequency that it gets paid, what vendors it tied to, what life function, and we talked a little bit about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and then the type of debt. So type of debt's really important to me because a lot of times I want to see, um, like, what do I have to pay? versus like, what am I spending money on that I, I really shouldn't be focusing on? So loans are different than, you know, uh, debt. Debts are things like the IRS or student loans, which are different than billing for housing or, or cars, which are different than things you buy that you just didn't need, uh, which I call bill extra versus bills, which are things you generated, you generated a cost for, but uh, it's actually legitimate versus credit, right? So credit card expenses. But more importantly, I can look at that same thing through, well, what's due next? So mm-hmm. what bills do next and who's it for and how is it getting paid? What credit cards are tied to? Um, but then more importantly, the really esoteric fun stuff. So what's the frequency? So auto pay status is one of my favorites. A lot of times we don't know what's getting paid by where. So if you think about subscriptions, right? So anything in green is something that's going to get paid automatically. Mm-hmm. Anything in red is something I have to manually reach out and generate pay those people. Because mm-hmm. you don't want your entire life running automatically. It can be a little bit uh, big. But more <laughs> importantly, how about subscription review? You know, a lot of times things that get renewed once a year can be super expensive. Mm-hmm. So coming in here and saying, what are my annual subscriptions and what's going to renew in April versus May? And you can see a lot of these are big ticket items. So I might want to cut out some of these things. So hopefully this is, you know, making a little bit of sense to you. But more importantly, I can say Maslow. So as I talked about earlier, what's literally required for me to support my family versus, versus what isn't? So the bottom of Maslow hierarchy of needs obviously has all the home and auto in it. So mortgage and things like that. Mm-hmm. The next one up has all the safety. So, you know, what, what are you doing for safety, right? So we've got uh, the, the, the services for my dog's geofenced collars, you know, storage, uh, yearly medicine for them, et cetera. Does that make sense how I sort that now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, people I've got to pay or vendors. That's pretty straightforward. And each vendor has all the bills, interactions, documents, et cetera, linked to them. Those vendors and those uh, uh, people I pay and people who pay me are all roll up to the contact. Mm-hmm. All of this then is tied to a life area. So is it something that's going toward my health, my home, my work, my finances, finances or success? Those life areas are underpinned by goals I want to accomplish each year. Those goals are underpinned by projects. Those projects are under, and underpinned by ideas I have just sitting here thinking. All of that sits on top of the assets I have in my life. And these are major physical versus equipment versus et cetera, you know, 
everything from software to furnishings in my house. All of that sits inside rooms within my home, right? So if we looked at this as on a home map, I could say, okay, show me what's in the master bedroom. Pull that open and I can see all the equipment in there. I love that. All the warranties that are tied to all the equipment. Oh my gosh. I know it's nuts. Uh, And then forms and documents. So all the forms and documents that are tied to assets, entities, et cetera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then health records. So uh, when's the last time Rocket has been to the vet versus when's the last time I've seen a doctor? So we've Mm -hmm. got in here, you know, how am I sleeping every night? What supplements am I taking? What's my weight? What am I eating? Uh, When's the last time I saw a doctor? So doctor visits in here. When's the last time that I had vaccines, take, uh, picked up prescriptions or had physical tests? So I had a colonoscopy recently and you can see that down here. <laughs> and those results then are tied to that. Um, statements are like bank statements. So out of all the accounts I have, a lot of times my accountant will need statements. And if you've ever dealt with the IRS, they need copies of these statements. Uh, those are in here. All of that rolls down to transactions. So the actual money I'm spending Mm-hmm. on those credit cards and or debit accounts. For example, I need a copy of a check, it's in here. And then all of this really revolves around what I call AppStack. And the AppStack really is all the different systems and services I'm using for health, productivity, spirituality, travel, entertainment, environment, and how they relate. So if I come in here and look at health and say, what health aggregators do I have? I've got two, Apple Health, which is a, a aggregator and gyroscope. And if I open up something like gyroscope, you know, it's going to show me why, what it's for, the justification of why I still need it. Um, is it tied to other dependent apps? So that there are apps that need that app to work. Because if you cancel something, you want to know what's going to break. Mm-hmm. Um, how much am I paying, uh, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, there's normal stuff like what's on my website, what's the focus, uh, what pictures and or videos are tied to that those media assets for people who want information about me, I just point them to this space and they can download and search it. If I'm traveling and I want to see how my work is affecting me, you can see here that, you know, travel international is kind of a harder day uh, than something like domestic travel. If it's, you can see my travel, what city I'm going to be in when, and then finally a cities and a country's base uh, that kind of underpins. They're just reference bases. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. Oh my god! It was a lot of demo, so sorry about that. No, that's fine. There's a lot to unpack. That's super cool, and a lot of that is stuff that I've tried numerous times to implement in my own life. Like the subscription part, I've tried so many times to sit down and just start doing it, and then I like forget about all of the actual things I'm subscribed to, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. So uh, I guess my biggest question is how, like, what percentage of all of that is automated and what are you typing in manually? Emails that are start are automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, calendar appointments are automatic for interactions. Um, bank statements, um, those get uploaded and tied to the base. Um, mm-hmm. And it, that's just a document. So it's, it's really not that much of a, a deal and it's only once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, transactions are I download as CSVs uh, and then import those. Mm-hmm. Um, once a bill is in there, the fact that it knows whether it's weekly, monthly, um, quarterly, that trigger for when to change those dates is Mm -hmm. automatic. So it changes those dates automatically. Um, So when a bill comes due, I know it's due. And if I don't mark it as with an interaction, then it stays there that, okay, you didn't touch this. Mm -hmm. For me, the bills that are not set up on a automatic payment, those I have to go in and manually pay. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, I just, I use the web clipper to get screenshots of things I pay. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot more automation than, Probably it should be because I like the manual nature of some things because, you know, you can't forget what you're touching. Right? Right. A lot of times we just forget stuff. Um, I, I'd say I probably spend maybe an hour a week on my base uh, all in, like, you know, uh, maintaining it, uh, editing it manually, adding or changing things. So maybe an hour a week total. Um, I've been asked by so many people to put it in universe. Um, the, the problem is... I'm so, I'm so anal that I don't want to put it in universe till I know it's super clean and I can make a how-to video. And I also want to put it in universe in different sections. So I almost want like a section just for finances right. and a section just for business and a mm-hmm. section just for home. And I have this massive base and I think someone getting there saying, okay, I, I just bought a desk. Where do I even start? Right, right. <laughs> right? I mean, that can blow your mind up. But for me, I know right away, right? Because if I buy a desk or something online, I'm going to get an email. The email comes in as a transaction. That transaction then gets tagged to an asset. 
And that asset then, if it's tied to a receipt, is tied to a document, right? And all of these things then have dates and, you know, especially if you buy them, you want to put the date you purchased yeah. them. So right. it's just some really, something really dumb that like really is fun to do. If you have Apple Care on any of your Apple products, just putting the date the Apple Care expires and setting a reminder for yourself one month as a task beforehand to go in and say it's not working. You basic Apple just gives you brand new AirPods or they'll just, so again, there's, it'll pay if you start to kind of manage to the dates that transactions happen. Yeah. Uh, it's more than just about having a record of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it allows you to see exactly what you're spending your money on. I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So that's yeah. super. And there's crazy. normal things. I mean, if someone goes to my website and says, Hey, I want to talk to Chris Dancy. I mean, that's an Airtable form. Right. I mean, it's, I, mean it's, it's, I think it's a lot simpler and looks, you know, I, you use some Siri shortcuts to log things like, you know, and have a water or caffeine, you know, Hey Siri, log caffeine. <laughs> and so she's not just asking me what I have. I don't have to drink a soda. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want to log it and not have it happen. Oh, there we go. There you go. You know, so now she's done and there's the drink. <laughs> so that'll be in the base in a minute. <laughs> that's super cool. Oh my gosh. I haven't played with them setting up any shortcuts with um, like the new automations you can do on iPhone yet. But yeah, but it's so nice talking to technology instead of like typing in it. So, I mean, for me, the Airtable is just so fundamentally important. And And again, I don't, use kind of the view of it I just shared with you. I really focus on something called Biscuit, which basically is just a bunch of shortcuts, but they're under sections, so communications. So like, for example, if I want to send someone a link to meet with me, I just copy that out. This is just pointing to Notion. If I then want to jump into Zoom with that person, I just jump into there. If I want to see when my next event is, I just come in here and upcoming. Uh, if I want to know, someone asked me something specific, about a workshop, you know, I just come down here to keynote a workshop and get them the information they need. If I am reconciling credit cards or paying bills or I need a statement, so it's in the finances section. Does that make sense? If I'm logging assets or working with assets. So this really helps me organize my base and all the apps that support my base. You know, I use Notion and, you know, here's my back end of my website if I need to change something. Uh, sorry for that big picture of me. Uh, uh, calendars, etc. That is amazing, and I am totally going to look into that because I've been looking for something just like that for a very oh, long time. Oh, yeah. Biscuit is a game changer because, yeah. like, once you, like, put your life into little sections yeah. and then you just work from here, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, where have you been my whole life? I'm totally looking into that. I, I'm writing that one down because <laughs> that's, that looks like such a helpful app to use. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love me some Biscuit. Awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. It's been fun. Hopefully I didn't show off too much. I was trying to like balance, like, what do I show? What do I not show? I don't want to seem too showboaty. I hate showboats. But no, no. I guess what I'm saying is it's doable. If you've been on Airtable forever, you know, you can't go wrong by spending some time investing in yourself. And the other thing is don't try to, if, I think most people get hung up on Airtable because they try to automate so much up front. Do one thing in your life and make it repeatable. So repeatable that your dog can do it <laughs> and you'll use it and it'll work and then link in other things. The other thing is really plan. If you don't know what an ERD is, Edward, Robert, uh, David, an ERD diagram, look it up. I mean, you can make one really simple. You don't have to extract it from Airtable. Just think about your tables and how they relate to one another and draw the lines. Uh, mm -hmm. It'll And then use an app like Biscuit to put those tables in a in a functional format. I mean, this is not hard. You just need to really want to commit to not being busy because so many people find, I think Airtable becomes a busy tool and not a productive tool. Right. Absolutely. Well, I, I can certainly tell that you've gotten the most amount of productivity out of it possible. So that is <laughs> super, I applaud you for that. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so where can our listeners go to learn more about Chris Dancy? <laughs> well, you can Google most connected and I'll come right up, but no, uh, my website's just chrisdancy.com. If you can't remember Chris Dancy or how to spell it, literally you can Google most connected. Uh, <laughs> I spend a lot of time ranting on Twitter. Like a lot of people do. Um, you can connect to me on LinkedIn, but I, I usually want to know like, okay, what's the purpose? I have this like whole idea of like intimacy, like how you meet people online should follow kind of a process. So like if I've never talked to you, maybe LinkedIn wouldn't be the best place to start. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and then the other thing I always say to folks is my phone numbers on my website. Um, you know, feel free if you're struggling and I mean that not with business, just in life, 
I mean, we're in a really dark time right now. Um, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's you're in a relationship that's bad. Maybe it's your job you're worried about. Maybe you don't know where your next meal is coming from or you know, you're not making enough money. I mean, seriously, email me. You can call, literally call me. I talk to strangers all day long. There's nothing you're going through that I haven't experienced. I've buried, I've ex, I've buried parents and, and partners. I've buried dogs and parakeets. I've, I've made lots of money. I've lived in my car. Uh, there's nothing you're going to go through that I haven't seen at some level. And even if I haven't, I won't judge you. And it's so important you have someone who's objective and who will try to help you. If I can find you a resource, whether that be a person, money, or time, I'll give it to you. Because we're in a time where how you help each other really defines on who you are. Well, thank you so much, Chris. You truly are a special person. I really oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great rest of your day.